Hi, and thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. We're your hosts, Matt Domney and Kyle Dobbs. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on today's episode of Compound Performance Radio. Today with us, we have Phil DeRue. Phil, thank you so much for your time today. We're super excited to have you on. Um, and if there's anybody in the audience who doesn't know who Phil is, y'all got to step your Instagram game up because this man is everywhere on social media. He's doing everything. He's working with everybody. Um, but if they are still, still going to remain ignorant after that, you want, to, you want to take a moment to introduce yourself and let everybody know what they're missing out on? Well, first of all, I want to say you do an amazing intro with, with the way you speak because let me tell you something, guys. Whoever's listening right now, this is not how he actually speaks. This is his radio voice. All right? <laughs> Don't give away my secrets, bro. I, I like what you're doing. I like it. I like it, Matt. Um, yeah, man. So... A performance coach, work with a lot of uh, high-level elite fighters, uh, Dustin Poirier. I work with Yoni and Jacek, Edson Barbosa. A lot of guys in the UFC, uh, Bellator, 1FC, and been doing that for about, right now, we're working on 12 years. I uh, was a professional fighter myself for about eight, eight or nine years. Uh, played college football, been, you know, in the weight training game since uh, 12, 13 years old, like, you two gargoyles yourself. I know you, you stagger over me. I, I, I don't like standing next to you guys. It pisses me off. Next uh, time we come down, we'll get you a box. We're going to bring you a special <laughs> Phil DeRue box. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. We just look like <laughs> ogres everywhere we go. So it's, it's fine. It's okay. Exactly, man. And uh, yeah, man. So business owner, uh, own my own gym, you know, own several other online businesses and uh, working to, you know, create my own charity, things like that. So, doing a lot of different things, but the main thing is obviously performance coaching. But I think again, even, even that I think undersells it, you know, and you're, you're somebody that I think does a fantastic job of showing a lot of faces online as far as like what you do, who you work with, how you go about it. You're one of the people that I think, you know, again, doesn't hide things or tries to act like they're they're doing things that they're not you know especially having the opportunity to meet you several times you know Matt and I've been down there a few times and and we work together for a little bit it's like what you put out is what you are and I think Mm -hmm. that's that's something that especially I don't know maybe maybe I'm just misrepresenting the the combat industry but I feel like that's not something you see a lot of I think there's a there seems to be a lot of smoke and mirrors kind of in that and in, in fitness in general, but sometimes in that realm as well. Yeah, I, I could say that. I mean, the, the one thing that I've always prided myself on is authenticity, um, being true to who you are, knowing who you are. You know, I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses. And the good thing is that I can, I'm not afraid to, you know, talk about what I don't know, which is something that I feel that is missing in the industry, in any industry, really. Uh, but definitely in the fitness industry and, and around the strength and conditioning world, um, with fighting in general, you know, we're all trying to be tough guys. <laughs> and, and for the most part, these guys know how to be tough. You know, that's the one thing. But, you know, there, there's a lot of things in the industry, especially when it comes down to fighting is, you know, we've had this, this kind of push and pull of the new way of doing things and the old school way of doing things. And so you have both sides of the spectrum. And I like to try to merge those two together 
you know, making sure that at least we're taking some of that practical knowledge that we've gained over years and years of experience and then take some nuance or new, new work um, from the science side and not make it to where it's like, okay, you're on two different sides, right? You're going to be the science guy, you're going to be the academic, or you're going to be, you know, the hard-nosed old school guy. And when you can merge the two, I feel like you have the best opportunity to be successful. So, I mean, when it comes down to authenticity, I want to make sure that I'm learning from both sides. So I was able to be a fighter and learn, you know, on the floor, on the mats, in the cage, um, from that experience, and then take it over to the science side, learn from individuals that have an understanding of sports science, have an understanding of physiology, biomechanics, learning from individuals like yourselves, and taking that and putting it into my world. And that's where I see, I hope I see where we're trying to take it. You know, me, I guess, being an ambassador now of the sport, and especially when it comes down to combat sports performance training, I know that I'm one of the first to really bring it to the mainstream in a mm -hmm. sense and allow for people to really understand how to coach and train these individuals for that particular sport, whether it be boxing, MMA, jiu-jitsu, whatever. And, uh, and that's really what my purpose was for a long time. You know, now I, I coach other coaches because I want them to understand how to do this properly. And there's a lot of misconception. There's a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors. And so for that, I like to try to make sure that they understand how to do this appropriately, not just for themselves, but for the people that they're working with. Well, I mean, especially with the, the athletes that you're dealing with in the combat sports realm, particularly, like, I would imagine that it's a little bit easier to, uh, like, program out and, like, do, like, a period, I, like, like build out, like, a macro cycle for somebody like Dustin, right? Where Dustin, like, is pretty concrete on the fight dates that he, he's got. They are set decently in advance, right? So they're, they're set a little bit more in advance, but, like, it's not like... Yeah, for sure. Sometimes, but it's not like you're like, like, like remember in 2019 when Donald Cerrone fought four times in two months, it's like yeah. you, that happens. Like those are shit that's going to, those are things that are going to happen. And if you're trying to stick to like a, like a strict periodized macro cycle, like you're not going to succeed because like, you, well, no, Donald, you can't go make a couple million dollars this fight because like we're in a hypertrophy phase. So like yeah. the, you're just not going to be adapted and ready. Like we just can't have you go. So I mean, that's one of the things that we were we were are, are are most interested in is what you do with your model in particular, because your athletes always have to be in a in a very high state of readiness at all times. But with that being said, you also have to manage fatigue, manage recovery, manage what they're doing with kickboxing, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, wrestling classes, MMA classes, all of them together to make sure that that person is not overtraining to a point where they're breaking down and they're able to actually excel and perform in an individual session. So your model and everything that you do is one of those ones where if you look at it from just like a hard data science, like the little, like the exercise science nerds will just like lose their mind. They're like, no, no, what do we do? Where's the phase potentiation? Like, how do we do this? Like it doesn't, but it, it doesn't necessarily match, like mesh with the real world. So how did you kind of get to that point in your training model where you realized, well, shit, we got to do something completely different that gets people constantly in a state of readiness. Yeah. And you, and you said one thing that it plagues us tremendously is overtraining. Mm -hmm. um, guys are training nonstop, no matter oh. what like all year long, they're sparring hard. And if you come from a gym where everybody is really good, 
let's say for instance, like a Sanford MMA or an or American top team, yeah. you're actually fighting almost every time you step in for sparring. Yeah. Well, the intensities from a rate of perceived exertion is very high, right? Yeah. Now, with that being said, I used to work in that gym where I saw that every time they stepped on the mats, it was a hundred percent all out go, right? And so I started off trying to do, you know, similar block periodization models, even did some undulation here and there. Um, you know, I've done a different, a bunch of different things, but what I did see was that, again, these guys needed to be ready at all times. And they needed to not only be ready for fights, but they needed to be ready for their training. Yeah. So I decided, you know, I've been, I've worked and actually trained myself in a conjugate model my entire you know fighting career I, mm -hmm. I felt like that was appropriate for me um i didn't feel as banged up i was able to auto regulate a lot easier and so for that i was like all right how can i take this from a four day a week you know west side type of template or whatever you want to call it to a two day a week because that's all the time i had with them and so i decided to condense it and i called it condensed conjugate real catchy name whatever you want to call it but the goal was to really just make sure that these guys were ready and not overtraining them with all these particular methods. So on top of that, they had to be conditioned and conditioned to a sense of where they were able to still train and get their mm -hmm. condition inside their training too as well, because let's face it, that's true sports specificity. Mm -hmm. And so they were getting their conditioning with the wrestling. They were getting their conditioning with their sparring. But yeah. what I did that was that my guys are elite. And when you get to an elite status, no matter how, hard the the session is you're going to you're going to pace yourself in a sense so like a guy like dustin even though he may not be in shape from a fitness standpoint let's say you know from a from a general outlook of a, a sports performance from a specificity standpoint he can go from the couch and he's never like this but what i'm saying is just bear with me here he can go from essentially not doing anything and at least still hanging in there with a lot of the guys he's sparring because he's able to pace himself appropriately. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't let off a huge amount of effort because he's so efficient, right? So efficient plays a key. And the one thing that I did find out was that we needed to work on energy systems that weren't being worked on inside of the training that they're doing from a sports specificity standpoint. Another thing that I, that I looked at was like mobility, strength, obviously all those categories that we needed to work on. And from the, from the inside out, I was seeing that these guys lacked a lot of in-range control. They lacked a lot of overall mobility because they were stuck in those fixed positions for a long period of time. And so we were getting little nags and little injuries here and there. So I decided to put that into play. And then the other thing that I wanted to do was making sure that we don't waste any time inside the weight room on things that aren't necessary for them. So we were looking at, okay, what's their rate limiting factors on all stretches? So like when it comes to energy system training, when it comes down to strength training and power training. So I got a force velocity profile on them. I got, you know, we were working with the Moxie to understand the rate limiting factors of energy system training so that I could streamline the training that's appropriate for them, especially when you find out when you're going to fight. So a camp usually starts about eight weeks out. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and if I have that, that's good. That's a good, that's a solid time frame that I can get a, an individual ready. Sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes, like you said, they take fights on short notice. You know, we might have a fight with Nate Diaz in the next three weeks. Yeah, and Diaz is always ready. 
you know, so, so I have to look at it from that perspective. And the good thing is that, you know, when, when the guys are in shape, let's say, you know, similar in shape to where they would be, let's say four to three weeks out, and then we can taper them off and go from there. That's where you really want them to be at, you know, because at the most we want to be able to make sure that we can take those fights so that they can get paid, you know, but you know, you get guys that, that take time off and that's, that's the big issue is when I have those guys coming in and they haven't been doing anything and all of a sudden now I got to get them ready in four weeks. Yeah. That's, that's really why I decided to put it all together. But to go back to what I was talking about with the condensed conjugate, um, you know, it was just trial and error primarily just trying to figure out what's the best way. And it, it took me a while, man. It took me a solid, you know, I mean, when I started with top team working with the elite guys, you're looking at about three years really where I started to perfect it and started to see, you know, good results with it. And it started to get numbers down on guys and, and actually see, okay, they, they're feeling good. They're not getting injured and they're performing well inside the cage, which is important, obviously. So we've been able to keep it going. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely one of those sports that's probably the hardest to actually prep for because yeah. it's, the, the, it's, it's like football is not hard. Like you have, a, you have a defined season of when you're going to be going to football. Like it's a fairly easy thing that you can start building out a training program for. You know how hard to push them in the offseason and in the in-season. Basketball yeah. is relatively similar. You can really easily forecast how many games they're going to be playing, how many minutes per game that person is going to be, act, uh, going to be playing. And there's not as many like like confound, conflating and confounding factors as there is in mixed martial arts where you have wrestling, you have jiu-jitsu, you have kickboxing, you have all of these multiple, like these disciplines together that are all extremely taxing in very different ways. Like you've got a lot of really fast twitch stuff when we're looking at kickboxing, a lot of explosive movement in wrestling and uh, like wrestling practice, then a lot more slower endurance work when we're looking at Brazilian jiu-jitsu because even though it does move quick, that is just a constant grind. So it's just like the the... The, the managing of variables has to be so much stricter than it would have to be in, in literally any other sport. And I think you do it really, really well. And it obviously shows with the people that you train. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and taking a look at that, it's like, all right, we got to look at the, their game plan yeah. when it comes to the fight itself, uh, their background of martial arts, whether yeah. they be a Muay Thai guy, a, a wrestler. Um, and they're going to come with certain traits. They're going to come with certain strengths and weaknesses. And so for that, like, if we get a good amount of time where we have, what quote, unquote, an off camp, you know, um, or at least a time frame, give me, like, at least three to four weeks, and then we can work on what they're the weakest at. It's the same thing goes for when they're working on their skill set, you know, with a lot of wrestlers that come in, like, from Division One or even the Olympic level or judo or something like that. You know, we got to spend a large amount of time on their jujitsu, and then we have to spend a large amount of time on their striking, which yeah. is really – or opposite when it comes down to grappling sports, you know, with the stance and everything else and the, and the timing and, and the speed of the, of the movements and everything else. So, you know, and then from there, I have to put together a, a program that's going to make sure that we're getting the strengths built in. So a lot of the guys that I've seen, like, just based off of experience, you know, the Muay Thai guys, the, um, the boxers, you know, more so, more so boxing and karate, like even with a karate background or a traditional martial, martial arts background, um, these guys are explosive in a sense, but they don't, they don't have a huge amount of absolute strength. Where on the flip side to that, you have wrestlers and judo practitioners that are very strong, right? Yes. So, you know, it, that goes into play. And then you can find that out through, you know, whatever means you want to ch- test them on. 
but the testing and the evaluation is key for us, especially when I get a new guy coming in. And then from there, I can kind of dictate what we need to do. But yeah, it's like, it's always, I always say this, like if I can, if I can program for mixed martial arts and mixed martial arts in, in general, because of the fact that they're training multiple modalities throughout the days and weeks, then you can probably program for any other sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's funny to me because now I got I have you know I have guys like like Timberland who's a celebrity and I'm just like it's the easiest shit in the world. I was give me gin pop all day. I was telling Jake, you know, one of my one of my uh, bare knuckle guys because he helps you know he does pad work with him. Yeah. And we were we, I just got back from him too. We were at the track and I was like, man, this is the easiest thing I've probably ever done. Is like, like train. So it's cool. But yeah, I, th- I think. One of the things that I, like, it's almost like when you're training a, like a mixed martial, it's like training for like a decathlon. Yeah. yeah. Where it's just, it's so many just confounding skills and skill sets, mm-hmm. di- different, different tissue qualities, different, you know, again, a, athletic qualities, even different energy system usage. Mm-hmm. Some things are going to be very power based. Some things are going to be very aerobic based. Like yeah. that's, that's a hard program. Like that's very hard to lay out and actually not, not just lay out, but actually understand like how your athlete's going to recover from that as well. Right. With everything else you do. And, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people that, that follow you might not even know is like what, cause one of the things I appreciate is like the team you've built from a holistic perspective, right? Like you've got everything from like a psychologist to a nutritionist to physical therapist to manual people like like there's an entire team to work with athletes where you can really set up not just a training program but like an entire lifestyle program for the people coming into off-season camp whatever and like that that's kind of how it has to be to be effective right I mean and at least from the outside looking in at the elite level. I mean, I think that's, that's something that I appreciate as well. One of the jokes Matt and I made before too, it's like, you're probably the only person in the industry that has both Louis Simmons and Evan Pycon in your phone book. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, totally I, I, it's, it's yeah. just like, if, if that's not well-rounded, like, I don't know what is right. Yeah. Where it's just like the, you know, you go to, you'll search out any corner, right. To, 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 ha- to find an advantage. And I think that's, that's huge yeah, I when I look at it. I appreciate that, man. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I've, I've always said it, man. I was like, you know, I never really want to get stuck in one direction. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I believe if you live in absolutes, it's, it's, it's going to be a downward spiral at the end of the day. You, you, you limit yourself in, in your mm-hmm. ability, in my opinion, at least. And that goes for everything in life, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because I do have Evan's little ass smart guy guy. evan pycon friend of the program he's a friend of he's a friend of everybody's (laughs) i i i i nag that guy constantly man but but he's a great guy man and 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 louis always been you know a phone call away too as well he's a crazy one um but yeah it's 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 always good to have these people around and there was a point in time where i didn't have these individuals around didn't have this team around me I i was training eight or eight to 12 guys at a time in all different times of camp, you know, different, uh, different levels. You know, uh, I remember I used to train like Tisha Torres, who's like, a, you know, 115 pounds. And then Junior Dos Santos in the same training session, along with like four other, five other guys that probably didn't speak a whole lot of English. 
So there was a lot of things going on. I had to figure it out. The good thing is I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I understand it, you know, but I love to bring in individuals that, you know, they specialize mm-hmm. either nutrition, weight cutting, chiropractic work, physical therapy, anything in that level. I'm actually bringing a statistician over here um, from Australia. So I'm putting him on, on payroll so that we can get staff that, you know, what we're doing is actually going to prove not to us because we know what we're doing is working, but to the coaches and, you know, to the athletes in general to see the numbers, you know, not just see, you know, how they feel and everything else, but from a breakdown perspective, I think it's always appropriate to have that, you know, so bringing that guy in because I was like, okay, there's something that we're missing. You know, this is something that we need to have. And then from there, it's like, all right, now the sky's the limit. You know, I'm bringing in, I'm bringing in a Bo Hightower's guy, Greg. Yep. So Greg's going to be a part of the team now, you know, so we got the chiropractic going in and it's going to be good, man. I'm, I'm excited, you know. We have other machines that we're working on to bring out here. We have a Proteus machine, which is like going to measure out force production throughout multiple ranges of motion. Proteus um, is super cool. Like that, like that's, yeah. Not, it's, it, I mean, it's well worth it. It's, it's a lot. Listen, it's not, it's not cheap for sure. Oh, they're like $30,000, man. Yeah, that's an investment, but they're yeah. awesome. Yeah. And they're the only thing that does what they do. Yeah. They, yeah, nothing else even comes close. Exactly. Like, yeah, we have we have gym aware. I, I love the gym aware for just DBT monitoring and things mm-hmm. like that. We do, you know, you can use that for, you know, an objective measure or an indication of, of fatigue management. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the basic stuff, man. Like, you know, how Joe DeFrank always talks about the grip machine, like the dynamometer, yeah. use yeah. that. Well, I mean, we keep it simple, but we also like to use some some interesting technology so that we don't become the bad guys. We can mm-hmm. just blame technology that you need to stop and chill out today yeah it's it's always nice we always used to joke because we when i was at peak we were one of the first commercial or like private facilities that had like uh omega wave licensing you know back in the day and and we found like there was a lot of negatives to it because it's it's not great for gen pop because it'll create false basically false positives for them sometimes but for the athletes that we did have come in or just like the really, you know, the, the type A people like your shirt um, that, that would come in, it was a good way to like show somebody that like, Hey man, like you're, you're, you're burning at both ends. Like it is like, it is okay to like slow this down a little bit, recover mm-hmm. a little bit. It's always good to have some objective data behind the things you're seeing. Cause I mean, again, like any coach that is listening to this, that doesn't have access to all this stuff you know when your clients are scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like you yeah. can see it in their attitudes. You can see it Absolutely. in their outputs. Like, but clients don't always have the self-awareness to, mm-hmm. to understand that, right? And so if you can say like, hey, you got uh, red on all your windows of trainability or your VBT is like at 60% of your normal numbers or whatever, now you've got some actual data to give them to say like, hey, like let's, let's work on something else today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard with general pop, man, because they don't they don't know it really at the end yeah. of the day. You know, um, I haven't been able to work with a whole gen pop until recently, you know, with 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 Tim and, and Kevin and and so like it's funny because they have a huge amount of stresses. Don't don't get me wrong, there's there's stresses all over the place, mm. especially at their level, you know. Um, but I always have to be like, all right, you know, let's 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 take it from the, the traditional approach of like, all right, how are you feeling? How are you sleeping? You know, what's your weight? What's your heart rate in the morning? Stuff like that. And then I'll go, okay, now let's figure out, let's throw you on a VBT monitor and let's see where you're at. 
you know, or let's do the grip machine and let's go from there. Um, because then I can kind of figure out if they're lying or not. And they just don't want to push hard that day. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was yeah, that's always the best part is like, you can't fake some of those objective data things. Yeah. Well, that's like, what oh, we you, found you're just being a little bitch today. Let's get, let's get it going. <laughs> yeah, like, like this and stop being a pussy let's do this yeah. well and that that's what we found out with the with the gen pop and hrv is oh yeah like they're these people would train three hours a week yeah. max right so it's like okay well your hrv sucks it has nothing to do with the training like yeah, you yeah, are yeah. not overtrained in yeah. any capacity right it has to do with like shitty lifestyle decisions or just you're a hedge fund manager and you're always under stress right or yeah. you know whatever and there's, there's things that we could change and there are things that we couldn't. Right. But it was like, you would always be like, well, like the client wants to like deload their training, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, it's like the training's not the problem, right? It's, yeah. it's like the happy hours yeah. and the client meetings, yeah. and like the late nights and whatever. 100%. So it's like you end up, that number almost becomes a negative in some of those cases because you're like, man, like I can't detrain you and like you know and and not decrease the stress at the same time right uh and you end up getting kind of like like you miss both birds with that stone at that point you're just like man that's, yeah what we is, what, using it with a lot of people i'm gonna ask you guys a question because you guys do, that's do, not how this podcast works though. yeah no, i'm no, not no. an answer question no, I have, no, I flip it I flip it what so are you listen. doing here <laughs> i want to know i want to know like when you do have that situation come up, right? And these, and these people are like really trying to burn the candle at both ends. Like what's, what's your, how do you, how do you go about like stopping them or, or changing things up for them? You know, even if they don't want to do it, like let's say they're, they're a lawyer or a doctor, they can't stop working. Like how, how, how do you try to reformulate that to get them so, to where they be? So for me, what I ended up doing with a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the guys, cause the guys for me were always a bigger issue and I mm-hmm. trained yeah, the, the guys were usually a bigger issue with this because they wanted to like kind of macho man their way through a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like they wanted to tough guy it. And what I would do is, you know, essentially find out that the things that they valued the most, right? Because they like an HRV number to them, like, did, like they were like, whatever, like, okay, it's a red box. Like it's a, it's a low number, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I started doing blood work on people and I just mm-hmm. went through like inside tracker and you see these guys who think they're tough shit and all of a sudden they got a t-score of 200 Uh, now now i got a number for them that means something right and so i would just have to find the variable that really mattered is just be like and have conversations with them about and be like hey man like the work you're doing in here plus the stress that you're taking on outside Mm -hmm. like that's all contributing to this right and and you're in your and you know in your life you know i can't you're not going to quit your job or, or whatever it is if that's one of the stressors you you know maybe you have a family a wife and kids that's a stressor as well but what are the things that we can control right can we can we talk about your sleep your nutrition your your time outside getting in the sun whatever your neat whatever it may be right like so can you do the like the off day aerobic work that I give you? Can we find a way to sneak that in? Right. Do I need to make that, you know, three 15 minute blocks instead of a, a one hour long session? Is that more conducive to your schedule? Right. Like I would have a lot of even um, like, you know, stay at home parents, you know, at the time where it's like they couldn't get away for a full hour to 90 minutes by the time they traveled. So we yeah. would set up like three 15 minute mini sessions they could do throughout the day. Yeah. Right. 
like during nap times or whatever. And so it's just at that point, it's like, how can I make training convenient for you? How can I yep. make some of these lifestyle changes convenient? Cause it has to be easy for them. They're not getting like Dustin one. He wouldn't be where he was if he wasn't like incredibly self-motivated. Yep. But when you also have like a multi-million dollar check at the end of the line, like you're going to work hard, yeah. right? You're, you're going to do what you need to do yeah. in most cases, if you're at that level for them, it's like, uh, yeah, I need to lose 10 pounds or I need to get my cholesterol down or whatever. But like this that's, meeting that I have in an hour could be a $50 million deal. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> like, or, or like that's easy to say when my kid's screaming in my face, right. Yeah. Or, you know, puked on the floor or something, you know? So it's like, at that point, it's like, how can we make this manageable? And how can we make it convenient and easy to do? Sure. Yeah, no. no, I get it. I have to deal with that now more so than anything, you know. And I'm like, I like the 15-minute goes because let's say they have to hop in meetings in and out of the day, mm-hmm. you know. And so for that, they, they can't spend time doing an hour or, you know, whatever, a 45-minute session. It may have to be those mini sessions. Yep. Uh, and I found that to be really successful. Um, and they're adhering to that, you know, yeah. and that's getting us more results than anything. So that's, that's dope. I, I even, thought we were on the page. See, I, knew yeah, it. I mean, it's absolutely one of those things super where busy trainer, I would do that. Yeah. Like when I only had, you know, a couple like one hour blocks and I had to shower and eat and try to train. It's like, yeah. I would do like my strength power stuff for 20 minutes in the morning. And then yeah. I would do like my accessory work in the afternoon. And then I would do a little bit of aerobic work, like in a third block, if I had time or yeah. whatever. I would break it up that way too. And I actually loved it because it's like, I had the energy to actually get outputs in all three sessions. And I think it's funny. Like, I think most people, if they had the time, you know, obviously trainers work in a gym, so you can always make happen what you want to happen, but they would probably get really good results working that way. I think like the whole, like you do everything in one hour is Mm -hmm. more just like symptomatic of, you know, just, our, our, every, like our, our, uh, our current lifestyles, right. Where it's like, well, you've got an eight hour a week job. You've got this, you've got that, you've got a family. You don't live in the gym. You don't probably have a gym in your house most of the time. So it's like, you have to drive there, commute there. So you have to get everything done in one shot. I don't know if that's ideal for everybody though. Yeah. Like if they have the opportunity to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I, I, what I did was I, I just decided to bring the gym to them sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, man, I'll just, I'll just order some stuff so that you have it at your house, you know? And then way there is really no excuse. You can step outside in your yard or whatever and just make it happen, you know? So there's a couple of things that I like to utilize now, but it's definitely, definitely different than the fighter's mentality. hundred percent. Like you're looking at elite athletes to those individuals and you're like, well, they still, they're still elite. They're still elite Mm -hmm. individuals just on a different scale. And that's, this isn't what they do to get their money. Exactly. Right. Right. It just, it's exactly what it would just become with any, with like, if you're, you, you basically end up having to treat them the exact same way. It's just their priorities end up being in a significantly different spot. Like my, yeah. I have a client of mine who um, is a mid, uh, like a senior mid-level lawyer at a very large New York law firm. Um, and he's, he's based in Houston. So he's based out of their Texas office. And the beginning of the month, I, I messaged him. I was like, so like, what, what's the schedule look like this week? Because his schedule is always very variable. And he texted me back like 14 hours later and goes, oh, not going to make it today hospitalized because of work stress. And it's like, dude literally had such a bad like, like, as, like asthma attack from the amount of work that he was doing, staying up till three in the morning every night. 
it's like I can't there's not much that I can really do and like his his number one goal is to like squat 405 bench 315 and deadlift five so he wants to hit the three four five milestones and we just got to do the best we can to make it as convenient as possible for him so kind of like you said he got a like a like a good set of iron master adjustable dumbbells so he can do some shit in his house and now all he's doing is exactly what we were talking about where he's breaking up sessions into three or four 15 minute sessions per day and like hitting three sets of heavy split squats hitting three sets of dumbbell bench, hitting a couple sets of rows, hitting something like that and breaking it up in between, uh, in between meetings enough to the point where it's like, okay, well, this is manageable. I'm still progressing. I'm still doing what I need to do, but I'm not like having to carve out nine, like, like a hot, like two hours of time with commute and everything to get to the gym, train for an hour, get home, shower and get ready to go. It's just not feasible for some do you, people. Do you guys find it harder now as like, as business picks up? harder to like get your training sessions in just for yourself i'll wake up at like two in the morning to go train always, so probably not for him i've always i trained <laughs> at 4 30 this morning like i'm always i've always been an early person though like that's just well how much how much do you get though usually i guess seven eight hours because okay, I, I so, i'll go to bed at like nine o'clock and i'll wake up at 4 30 to 5 don't don't there. lie to phil on the podcast to make yourself so, look cool kyle he puts his eight, phone and do not disturb at like 6 30 p.m Matt will text me at like 7.30 and I'll respond the next day at like 4 o'clock in the morning and he's just like, who are you? What's the matter? Are you sleeping? What's going on? Yeah, man. I, like, like I, my, book, my phone was off. I was reading and fell asleep at 8 o'clock, man. That's, that's Honestly, that's, that's the reason why I built a gym in my garage though is because yeah. when things started scaling up and when things started getting a lot busier, like Kyle still works, doesn't work in person anymore. I still have yeah, in-person clients. So like I had somebody this morning, it's 6, 7, and 8 before I started, before I came on. So it's like, I can't get up earlier than them to go train. Cause I'm not, yeah. I'm not waking up at two in the morning. Cause I usually am very productive later in the evening. Yeah. So for me, it's one of those things where like I built a gym in my garage specifically yeah. to manage my schedule a little bit easier. Exactly. Like we were saying. So now what I can do is on a training day, I can get a couple sets done, come back into, into my office to do a little work, go back out, get a couple more sets done, do a little bit more work, do whatever I need to do to manage it and break it up throughout the day. Unless, you know, it doesn't match with where my program is at that point. I feel like it, it, with everything, it comes down to scheduling. Yeah. It, it comes down to scheduling, having your routine set. You know, the, the shit that I hate is when, like, it deviates and you're like, yeah. oh, shit, this messed up my whole whole flow yeah. of the day. But um, but I found, like, if I can schedule, and I have, like, 15 different schedules, like, because I have it on my phone. I'll have it on my whiteboard at home. I have the whiteboard here. You guys seen it, mm -hmm. you know. And like, and then I'll have like Maureen, you know, my assistant, she'll have it on her phone and like having that schedule. Maureen's an angel, by the way. Yes, she is. Like, you're lucky yeah. to have Maureen. Yes, you, yes, you are. She's not going to listen to this podcast. She's not, Don't she's worry. Not, she's not one of our 10 listeners. You know that. We got, we got data on that. <laughs> Man, listen. Don't don't text her that either. By the way, I, don't <laughs> I, I won't. We'll, we'll keep it between us. Oh, um, but yeah, man. I, I I honestly think that that's the way that you can be so throughout your day. But I'm I'm I got man. I have like three or four different gym memberships, and then I have a gym at my in my house too as well, like in my garage. Well, yeah. like there's really no excuse. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to figure out when I can do it. You know, because of the drive too as well. The drive is crazy for me. You know, but. I manage it though, you know? Well, that was, I mean, for me, it's always been like, I am a morning person, but even when I was 
like a very high volume trainer earlier in my career, like 200 sessions a month plus. Like I would, my first clients were five o'clock every day. Like I would literally get to our gym. I had a key to it at three thirty, four o'clock and do my own session before, like in an empty gym before my first client, because otherwise I wouldn't get it done. Like the later and later and later in the day it got pushed back, the less chance it actually had of getting done. And then like by the time like 3 PM or 4 PM hits when my day was usually done, last thing in the world I wanted to do was yeah. train. Like I was yeah. exhausted, you know? And I think that that's what I used to always tell coaches. I was like, it doesn't have to be at 5 AM, but the but earliest open block that you have, get it try done. to get it done. Yep. Because the later it gets pushed, the less, the less likely it is to get finished. Especially if you're coaching nonstop throughout the yeah, day. Yeah. I mean, like, I remember that. Like, I remember having to do like a 5 a.m. boot camp, you know, and then like, but then I would have to come back. My shit was crazy, though. I had to do a 5 a.m. boot camp, then I did a 12, I had a midnight class too, as well. Oh, God. <laughs> right. In between that, though, I was still training for myself. I was a pro yeah, fighter. Yeah. Like, trying to bring in, you know, morning session, afternoon session, night session. Mm -hmm uh training around that and then doing the classes over there that's where it got crazy but i was also like 22 23 yeah. years old i could do that, that when exactly I 30, when i hit 30 i was like oh shit i can't do this anymore this is not happening and uh, <laughs> well, found out sleep <laughs> and that's also why even you know because we we've got similar styles in the fact that we both do a lot of like concurrently based training and like, that's another reason I do that is because I can easily, like, if I wake up and I just feel like garbage, like I can, I can just substitute my, my lower stem aerobic day in for like a strength day if I want to, I can flip flop. Like I know what days that I can switch. And as long as I don't like piggyback two really high stem days on top of one another, like I'm generally fine. Cause I, like Matt knows from training, like I tolerate volume really well. Like that doesn't bother me. I don't wow. tolerate super high stimulus very well. Like that breaks me down more. So I can stack higher volume days back to back to back and it doesn't really impact my outputs. But as well, watch as Kyle to, grind through a set of 10 at 90% and oh then God. like, which doesn't even make any sense. It's like you, that's not something that somebody should be able to do. Yeah. And then like two weeks later, fail a single at 95% completely. Yeah, like, like, like at 10, I, at 10 pounds more, it makes zero. It's the okay. dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> like, like, I think he hit, I think you hit like 570 for like six and then failed 585 for one, like two weeks later. Uh, yeah, it's like, like this doesn't, weeks later, just, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if I get it off the ground the first time. I got to set an eight. I can go with it. <laughs> you're like, you're like a steamroller. You just yeah. Yeah, it is, it's, it's how I've always been though. Like I don't have, even like as a basketball player, like I wasn't, I could jump well and I could run for, I wasn't, but I wasn't like super elastic and super explosive. Like I was yeah. always one of those like longer penuptial, like power jumper. Like oh. if I had the, if I had the right setup, I could get up, but I wasn't like super springy. And I think that even carries, like, I'm not like we had, we've worked with people in the past that they're the exact opposite. They'll make like 95%, like just, up down like they yeah. make it look like an rpe7 but then you put it up you know 10 more pounds and they just fail and they yeah. they don't grind it at all they have no ability to grind through a rep yeah I, I, that that is a lot with the fighters the fighters yeah. are like for sure like boxers like they just they don't know how to grind weights because they just don't know how to move slow you know what i'm saying yeah. and so like 
that's where like, okay, if we're trying to increase some type of weak point to maybe, you know, produce more force at some particular capacity, mm-hmm. like I'll put more weight on the bar for them and have them actually grind out weights or we'll just do like overcoming isometrics till they yeah. die. And then, uh, you know, they have to adapt to it. Um, but for the most part, like it's not truly as necessary getting closer to the fight, but it will help with other things down the line. Um, but yeah, man, I, I used to be like that when I, before, before powerlifting, mm-hmm. I was like that. I was like, all right, man, if this isn't going up like fast, it's not coming up. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. So, but then I started powerlifting and I started getting under heavier loads. Um, and Matt can kind of attest to this. Like when you get underneath like a load that you feel like can crush you, <laughs> it's like a different type of feeling. <laughs> yeah. Man, like, like I got, I remember getting underneath like 620. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is a brand new feeling. Like everything was popping. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> out. I'm like, oh, oh like, I feel every joint in my body right now. Stressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Every, I felt shorter and shorter. That's probably yeah. why I'm now, you know. Exactly. See, I, well, I'm not strong enough to, that's, to lift that much. And that's why I'm right. Still that's tall. why I'm still tall is because <laughs> I'm not that strong. Matt's yet. also Matt's also not a squatter. You can deadlift for days. It's yeah. Good. <laughs> I was six foot at one point. Now I just went down. It just slowly compressed out. Yeah, man. We get it. We get it. No, it, it's uh, it's it's always interesting, and I think that's almost where, like, when I work with athletes, that's one of the things I try to figure out really early on. It's like again there's not there's not a great way of terming it but like are you somebody who's going to be more capacity biased or someone who's going to be more you know power biased and i think because again like you said that'll give you a much better idea of like okay well how can i leverage what you already do well and then how can i bring up what you don't and what's like what's the dosage what's the recipe in the actual program that I need to start putting that into and where, right. Depending on off season, in season, whatever. And I think, I think that's, that's vital information for a lot of people. And I don't think a lot of even like we talked, Matt and I, and obviously you, you as well, we talk to coaches all day long, you know, and a lot of coaches, I don't even think are aware of where they stand on that realm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like to use, like, I like to understand where their stress levels lie in general. So like, if you do like a, like I talked about doing a Dutch test, you know, to see where quarters. Um, and then like we'll put together maybe like a hypertrophy training week where like, all right, let's see how well they recover from this. You know, if I have time to do it, you know, yeah. most of the time I don't, but if I did have a good amount of time, like to see where how, how they respond to certain types of stresses, you know, and then from there, like, okay, if we need to deload, well, I know you don't really, you don't get too stressed out or you don't, you know, have to deload off of a highly uh, stimulated particular training session. If you uh, if you do, but then we'll taper that off too as well. But usually it's like, all right, we got to taper off the volume, we'll taper off the intensity if needed. But for the most part, we keep it in a high 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 stimulus for the guys that don't re- they don't respond well to the high amounts of volume, you know. And you would probably vice versa in a sense. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I do with every single one of my power lifters is the, the first block of training that we go through is just, I'm figuring out who they are. Yeah, so I'm trying to push both volume like. and intensity simultaneously to see what's going to get them to a point where they're starting to feel beat up and broken. Right. And like, I straight up tell them in the very beginning, I'm like, I want you to feel some joint pain. Like, I want you to feel like 
beat up and creaky because that's how I know where you're going to be pushing, where you're going to like you're pushing to. And then when we do our deload, I do a 50%, uh, 50% of the week of that deload week is a volume reduction. And the other 50% is an intensity reduction. So I can look at that week and see which one seems uh, to allow them to recover a little bit better from and like where do you feel like you've recovered best which portion yeah. of this week do you feel strongest out of and they're like oh cool i felt good intensity deloading or i felt good uh volume deloading and it's like great now we have a program length now we have your deload cycle and now we know what you're going to respond best to and how i can best deload you because i have some people that like for a deload for them instead of having them do a three by five do like a five by three at the exact same load right okay. so we get yeah, like yeah, they volume. just get significant yeah exactly we just invert the volume and they are completely fine they do even better the following week it's like it doesn't necessarily make sense but it works for this guy yeah now i think i'm similar i think like if i do obviously if i keep the intensity the way it is and i drop the volume i'm good to yeah. go yeah mm -hmm. but um but some people aren't like that a lot of the fighters yeah. definitely are more susceptible to the higher volumes. Yeah. So, and the intensity does help a lot, you know? Yeah, I'm like that. I can't deal with higher intensity for, for a long period of time. I need to, I need to drop intensity to be able to recover. That's Even like when I work with like endurance athletes, we focus more on higher intensity, lower volume strength training because mm. they get all the volume and capacity work yeah. that they need on the other stuff. It's like their limiter is they're not strong. Yeah. Or they're not strong enough is a better way to put it like that. When they break down, it's a strength issue more so, or like a stiffness issue more than it is an actual like capacity based mm -hmm. issue for them. So it's like, we use our training time for that. And it might only be, it might be like a two, four split, right? Like similar to what you might be doing with your fighters, <clears throat> but I make sure that I get like their power stuff in relative to, to their abilities because that's what they're not getting at all in their training. And it ends up being their limiter when they're under fatigue that's the quality that drops the fastest. Yeah. Yeah. When I was yeah. doing it, it was, it was that I was like, I was like, man, I got to keep at least maintain my strength. And that mm -hmm. was the one that carried me through a lot of the times, you know, building up my piece of, of capacity was more important than anything. Cause I just, that, that's not where I come from, you know? Yeah. But definitely. Yeah. I, I saw that. That's why I did. I did a two day model as well, along with all the other training that I was doing with the higher volumes and the, 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 the time duration of the, of the workload, man, it was like two, three hour sessions and, you know, and it, and it had to do a lot of that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a lot of volume, huge amount of frequency, duration of time. So like my, my weight training would be like 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah. I get it done with, you know, obviously compound lifts, maybe a couple of accessories and then be out of there, you know, because I knew I had to run another, you know, eight miles, in a, in a few hours, you know, so yeah. it's similar, got, it's similar fighting, man. Same, same thing. Yeah, yeah. I've got an endurance athlete right now that, and this isn't what their program always looks like, but they, they've got two strength days and their first day is basically a two by three of squat variation, press hinge. And then they've got a little bit of like single leg work to round it out. And their second day is basically a yeses one by 20 model mm. where we run oh. through basically all their accessory patterns. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and just build on it week over week. And then everything else is there is more conditioning stuff. There's a little bit of plyometric in there. There's a little bit of, you know, kind of accessory, you know, just supplemental work from that perspective. But like, that's what their two main strength program like days look like right now. Yeah, I'll keep I'll keep the low level plyos in throughout the year and then yeah, progress. 
the closer because I, I got to keep them springing, you know, for the yeah. most part. It's really a hard – it's hard to progress it um, just based off of, like, all the other things that they're doing because they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna run. Mm-hmm. They're going to rope. So they're doing those lower-level plows. They do and, the extensives, yeah. Yeah, and then trying to figure out – mainly is like, getting to understand how to sit into a, into their hip, you know, and try to produce force from different angles, mm-hmm. whereas opposed to just kind of going in a solid rhythm, you yeah. know? Yeah, even – I'll use, like, even with my Gen Pop people, something that I've always done, like, year-round with them is, like, just those cyclic, like, uh, like elastic, just extensive, like, plyometrics, yeah. just because – like nobody builds up feet and ankles. Like, especially if you're like a gen pop that hasn't done a lot of like athletic stuff in your life. Like those people have the worst, like lower leg strength and just yeah. adaptability that, you know, and it's just like, that ends up being a huge ground up issue for them. And it's such and then a, you look at them when they go start playing like pickup basketball, cause oh they're starting God. to train and they feel really yeah. good. Number one <laughs> thing they, that goes Achilles like, tendon every time. Yeah. They're <laughs> like, Hey, I think I want to start running. And it's like, like, bro, you've never even like hopped. Yeah. Like this, like you think you're gonna go, you know, Man, run a mile? It, like it's gonna be bad news for for you. You're gonna be hurting. So bad because you'll get guys that are like, I know I can lose weight when I run. I'm like, you can't run. You no, can't you're not run. ready to run yet. You're not yeah. physically prepared to you run yet. Can't like, walk right. Can't yeah. walk. Let's let's get this right first. So like it takes a, it takes a toll on that because you, you got to slow people down and then their goals. You know, their target. They have this target set for like three months or like a two month thing, and you're like, yeah, it's not not really gonna happen man like, I'm gonna be honest. Dude, I, like true story i had an assessment like that once where guy like 40 to 50 pound weight loss goal like super super common like not super overweight was like a high school athlete like he had a little bit of an athletic background but it's like 45 and a little overweight deconditioned and he wanted to start running because he used to like running and i was like okay cool like it's gonna go through a short assessment i just want you to do like hop like you're jump roping for a minute yeah and, and like on two feet and he made it through like 35 seconds. And I was like, okay, so this is basically half the load that you would be covering within each, you know, stride. And you made it 35 seconds. Yeah. And like 20% of the impact because you're not like striking before before your like lower body gave out. Like this is something we got to build up a little bit. And he was like, Oh, I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're on the same page now though. This is good. No more conversation. (laughs) It's like plantars cramped up. Like he was a mess. Like he almost fell over. He was like, what the? It's like, yeah, yeah doing, doing just like, um, like low, low level hops and like controlled articular rotations and yeah. just like plantar flex, dorsal flex type stuff. And like, you get guys like, man, my calves. I'm like, bro, you, you wanted to run miles the other day. Yeah. Like, do that, you know? So this, listen, word of advice to anybody who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you can't, if you can't walk right, your ankles can't flex properly. Don't try to run. Let's not do that. Let's not, let's be safe. My, my favorite thing was when Kyle decided he wanted okay. to start running again and he was doing extensive plyos and pogos and all that okay. stuff beforehand. And, and I was like, from an aerobic perspective, like I was rowing competitively. Yeah. Like my, I would wake up, my resting heart rate was 36 right? Like oh. I had, like, I was conditioned. I was in yeah. shape. 
Damn. This man goes to, to go on a run and texts me the next day and goes, my calves have never been this sore. I can't bend my knee. I can't, Dude, I can't yeah. move. I can't I walk. went into like full <laughs> occlusion cramping <laughs> in under a mile, like literally in like, in like a half a mile away from my house. I had to sit down by the side of the road because my calves were so occluded. I could no longer bend my knees and move my ankle. I almost wow. had to have my wife pick me up. And this is, this is somebody who had been doing all of that stuff beforehand, yeah. but was still not like physically prepared and adapted to run. But so like why I do you own... think that you've gone from sitting for 20 years to be like, yeah, yeah I'm going to just run a marathon. Like I got it. Well, I'd I'm only good. been like traditional strength training, right. And rowing yeah. and being on the bike. It's like, so yeah. I had, I had good conditioning, but I didn't have the tissue quality at all necessary. There's no, I hadn't done very much elastic, just little, little bit of extensive stuff. It's like, yeah, I'll be like, it's basically a mile loop in my neighborhood. Yeah, I'll be good. Like, I'll be fine and build up from there. No. I got shut down day one. I was like, oh, this is going to take a little bit more than uh, I, it's, was, it's, I was hoping for. Like when I was, when I went to like, uh, I was like, all right, man, I'm, I'm getting good. I'm in shape. And then like I started swimming, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, this, this sucks. I can't do this at all. Like this is like, you know, but there's a new stimulus there. And I was like, man, my lats were cramping. I couldn't move like. Then I was like, oh, I'm just stiff as shit. Like, but yeah, it, it, it takes a good amount of time for your body to really adapt to that, to that stimulus. And, you know, if you're not ready for it, it's not a great idea to kind of go all out, you know. Yeah. Me being a dumbass that I am sometimes, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a triathlon, a, a, right. an Olympic triathlon. I yeah. haven't done any type of endurance sports whatsoever. <laughs> But that's who I am, you know what I mean? The that's challenge what? has to be big. It's got to be a big, it's got to be a big mountain. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'm still, I'm still up there, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, it's, that's one of the hardest things when, like, when I've worked with athletes is that conversation is like, yeah, you're really good at this, like, you're elite at this thing. But partially for the same reasons, like, you're terrible at this other yeah. thing right and it's just like because it's just exposures right it's even looking at like straight line athletes that are trying to move like multi-directional right it's like mm -hmm. yeah you might run like a four four yeah but you literally can't change directions yeah. you know and it's like it, but it's getting through their head that it's like being really good at one thing and being specialized does not mean yeah. you can attack this other thing with the same amount of sure. training yeah. or the same volume of training Definitely, definitely. We, we, we see that a lot. Like I'm sure you, know, you do. Wrestlers, yeah. wrestlers, MMA, or like, you know, for the most part, it's good. Like, I think, I think wrestling, honestly, is, is the best base to have. Absolutely. Yeah. But, like, you know, it's still, it's still a process, bro. Like, yeah. it's still, you'll get gassed in, in sparring, you know. Um, grappling or jiu-jitsu is, like, a foreign thing to them because they never want to be on their back. Yeah. And it's sore from it. Like, they'll, they'll legitimately get sore. Or you get guys that are really in shape inside you know, the training, you know, the sport specific training, then they go push a prowler for like, you know, five minutes and then they're just trash for the entire week. Yeah. You know, the new stimulus, man. And, yeah. and so I see that a lot, but you know, kind of ease them into it and you get there, you know, but, but that's the, that's the thing. That's the goal is to like, make sure that they're almost indestructible. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's the thing is like if you when you're talking about like having having somebody come out with a with a wrestling with uh, out of wrestling having the best possible background, mm -hmm. they they've already got the the first step done, which is that like indestructible mindset, because yeah. nobody will bring or a little crazy, which works. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Well, it's like it, for you me, faster than a wrestling coach, faster than wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrestling, wrestling, wrestling always develops multiple facets. So yeah. I mean, speed, some power, you know, uh, obviously just strength in general. And then obviously, you know, your mindset. Those guys yeah. are really indestructible, 100%. Like, it's very hard to, to actually, and they're very yeah. competitive. Very competitive, 100 yeah. Yeah, Extremely, yeah. I remember when I was when I was actively training, yeah, when I was actively training jujitsu, and like wrestlers were always the worst ones to roll against because you're like, this guy will literally break his own arm so that I don't yeah. win. Yeah, like he will kill himself. <laughs> and we're like trying to do like old man jujitsu over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. On, relax. Like, like, bro, I'm here for a workout. Yeah. Like, this is it's like when I go yeah. to like play pickup basketball it's like no like we, we don't need to act like that you don't need to be trying to make the nba right now He's yeah, yeah man like you, right you down the me off screens right now like what are we doing <laughs> <laughs> we had a that, uh that it, one guy in every situation oh yeah oh yeah in one of my one of my uh schools we had a d1 wrestler who had like was actively wrestling when he did jiu-jitsu and i remember watching somebody put him in like this dude was he was like, 220 pounds so he was also yoked and somebody put him in a triangle and he literally just like picks him up off wow. the ground, like lifts him straight up in the air. And everybody's like, Joe, stop. No, 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 no. And he's like, oh shit. And it just like gently puts him down. And it's like, he was going to kill this dude to, to <laughs> escape. Like this guy's insane. Yeah. 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 It's a different animal, man. Different breed, beast, man. We don't, we don't, we, we tell those guys to calm down. Like we just, yeah. we, try to, we try to put them in the worst position possible, you know, so that they can get, almost beat up in a sense yeah. and humble them and, and kind of slow them down a little bit. Whereas like, you know, you, how about you start from your back being taken, you yeah. know, and, and just try to be more technical and try to slow down that process as opposed to just like, ah, you know, try mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of like a lot of power lifters, a lot of strong men, bodybuilders. Oh, yeah. come, like that's what you have to do to them because if not, and you'll see if they want to stay because if they don't like to get humiliated. Like a lot of times, you know, guys get into weightlifting because they want to look a certain way. They have an ego sense and, or they want to protect it. And, and I don't want to say ego. That's, that's kind of harsh, but like, you know, they obviously want to look a certain way. They want to portray a certain, you know, uh, way of being. And if they're getting choked out by a 140 pound kid and it doesn't look too good, you know, for them, but it's good to understand that you are not invincible, you know, and that's good for anybody to go through. You know what I mean? I think, I think everybody should, at some point be humbled in a sense absolutely you, know, you can get you can get fucked up it's it's, 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 yeah. it's entirely you know can happen yeah i think that's a uh that's a good point because i know you're getting close on time so i think that's a good point to uh to start ending it up on um so phil thank you so much for for joining us today and thank you so much for uh taking the time out of your schedule to to talk with us um if you would like to be found where can people find you if you got any services you want to plug, plug the shit out of them, whatever you yeah. want, man. So, well, first, check out uh, the Rooster on Podcast. I had my boys on there twice. So make sure you check out our podcast. Um, I forgot what episodes were they, but they're out there. So just they're out there. You've got like hundreds, hundreds of episodes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we're, we're mixed in there somewhere. A lot YouTube of other good videos, people. Right, YouTube videos. Go to my YouTube. 
you know, Kyle and Matt both did tremendous jobs on the videos on my YouTube channel. So just search Phil Derue. Uh, my Instagram is at Derue Strong. My Twitter is at Derue Strong. My website, DerueStrong.com. Easy. I make it easy and simple. Yes. Yes. Great content. Always. I, and you put out a lot of content. That's another thing that I, I, we always joke about how you even have the time to do most of the things that you do because it's the, the times that we've actually been in the gym with you. It's just like, from 7 a.m. to like 6 p.m., just like back to back to back to back to back things. And it's just like, man, that's. I just went on your, the, on the your man YouTube. works. Yeah, I just went on your YouTube, Phil. And uh, there are 15 videos since the one that you and I made in the beginning of December. So that's, that's just like you guys want to go. You guys want to talk about like the amount of stuff that this dude's doing. There, there you go. 15 videos in two weeks. <laughs> man, we're, we're trying to pump out more. That's, that's, with, that's with the holidays in there as yes. well. So, yes. Yeah, my guys with Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, my guys are on. We're gonna we're gonna try to do more like four four a week, you know, coming up. So hopefully we keep it going. Damn man, well that's a lot. Well, Damn. thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. We appreciate you, and we'll see you next time, man. Thanks, Thanks a lot, guys. Bill. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. If you liked this episode, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and drop us a review. We'll see you next time.